Hello and welcome to Love Thy Lawyer, where we talk to real lawyers about their lives in and out of the practice of law, how they got to be lawyers, and what their experience has been. I'm Lewis Goodman, the host of the show, and yes, I'm a lawyer. Nobody's perfect. He has negotiated thousands of felony and misdemeanor cases. He began his career volunteering in a public defender's office. Early on, he recognized the value of alternative dispute resolution. His motto is client-centered caring counsel. He seeks to bring a level of empathy and compassion to every case. He is passionate about helping the marginalized. Henry Garris, welcome to Love Thy Lawyer. Hey, Lewis. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you. I have uh, enjoyed reading some things about you and learning a little bit about your practice. Where are you physically located for your office right now? In Bakersfield, California. And what sort of practice do you have? It's entirely criminal defense. And how long have you been doing that at that location? In the private practice since March of 2020. So you're kind of just starting out. Yeah, and started out right when the pandemic was at its peak. (laughs) Yeah, March of 2020. That was a time that I think everyone will remember very well. Yeah, it was a crazy time. When 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 were you first like aware that the the pandemic was coming down on you personally? I remember having a conversation with my parents in March. Actually, it was the week before my birthday. So actually, the end of February, first week of March. My dad was pretty concerned about the whole issue, and I thought it would blow over in a couple of weeks. Sure enough, it didn't. And you know that that's really how I found out about it in March, uh, talking with my parents. Where are you from originally? I was born in Tarzana. Which is Southern California. Southern California, yeah. LA so, kid. So you're not too far from home? Not at all, no. And did you go to high school in Tarzana? Yeah, I went to Granada Hills Charter High School. How was that experience for you? I loved it. It was, uh, you know, high school, high school was a lot of fun. What'd you do? I was really focused on school. Academics was, you know, really my main focus. I loved basketball growing up. I, uh, was playing for traveling basketball team, but my dad wanted me to focus on academics entirely in in high school. So, you know, it was really just about academics and uh, hanging out with my friends. Now you have a, you know, sort of an interesting, at least to me, kind of an interesting ethnic background. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and how you think that may have affected the way your parents raised you. So my parents immigrated from Egypt. Actually, my mom was born in Egypt and then lived most of her life in Sudan. My dad grew up in Egypt and then moved to Amsterdam when he was about 19 and then came back to Egypt at some point, met my mom, and then immigrated to the United States. I was born in Tarzana, and we are Coptic Orthodox Christians, which is a small minority in Egypt. We pride ourselves on the fact that we are direct descendants of the pharaohs. Actually, Coptic, the word Coptic means Egyptian, and it was once the native language of Egypt prior to the Muslim invasions. And so it's a very conservative minority group in Egypt, and they There's a lot of people that immigrated uh, to California and New Jersey. My parents came here in the 80s. 
a lot of my upbringing was in the church and uh, revolved around going to church. And it was very structural. And my my parents uh, always valued that. And I think that it played a large part in the person that I became. And I'm grateful for it, to be honest. So you graduated from high school in Tarzana. And where'd you go to college? I went to UC Riverside. How was your experience once you got to UC Riverside? Did you find it uh, different than being in high school? And in what way? Yeah, it was. Uh, UC Riverside was some of the best years of my life. And it was very different than anything I had experienced up until that point because I grew up in such a structural environment. And actually, I didn't have a driver's license until I was 18 and could afford a car. And so I, once I got to college, it was my first time living away from home and having to deal with the responsibilities, but also having the freedom to, you know, just explore the world. So what did you study there at UC Riverside? Any specific academic curriculum? Yeah, I majored in history and there was a, it wasn't a minor, but it was a, in addition to the major, it was law and society. After you graduated from UC Riverside, you ultimately went to law school. Did you go directly to law school or did you take some time off? I went directly to law school. I graduated in 2012. When did you start thinking about being a lawyer and start thinking, well, you know, I, I really would like to go to law school and why? You no, know, it was, I think it was my sophomore year. I had a, a history teacher who was also the government and econ teacher. We had a debate and it was, it was a group debate. There were three of us. And at the end of it, he stated that, you know, our team had performed better than any team he had seen. And he had been doing this annually, you know, for 10 years. And so that that really motivated me to think about, you know, what our team did well and to, to break that down into skill sets and think about what skill set I have and what career choices, you know, are in line with that skill set. And law was up there. And so I just went for it. What did your family and friends say when you said, Hey, I, you know, I want to be a lawyer. I'm going to go to law school. Well, it's funny because as a, as a Coptic Orthodox Christian, as a Coptic, you know, first generation, we always joke around with each other at church that, you know, we have three options, doctor, lawyer, engineer, doctor, lawyer, engineer. So although my parents didn't put pressure on me, to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, they were happy that that was what I was, you know, striving for. And that was a goal that I set out for myself and they backed me on. How did you start thinking about getting involved in criminal defense? So in talking about that with a friend of mine who I went to junior high with and who was also an attorney, he was describing what he was doing at the public defender's office. And, and it highlighted the aspects of law that I initially set out you know, to practice and, and which was the, the fuel that got me, you know, to, to end up, you know, to get through the process. And, you know, just after, to be honest, after that phone conversation that week, I applied to every public defender's office in, in the County. And I, I ended up volunteering in Santa Barbara for three months. So no, I had no idea I was going to practice criminal law. Presumably you enjoyed your experience at the Santa Barbara County public defender's office. I really did. And I think that, you know, it was, uh, it was a realization for me. 
of what? Growing up, I didn't I didn't come from a family that had a lot of money, and I always thought that you know being a lawyer meant being affluent. And come to find out that you know times have changed, and I actually you know went to law school just after the 2008 recession. And uh, really fell in love with the service aspect of it. So you ended up actually getting a job as a deputy public defender in Kern County? Yeah. Actually, the buddy of mine who I spoke with, who I went to junior high with, who suggested that I apply to the public defender's office, was employed at the Kern County Public Defender's Office at the time. And coincidentally, I ended up getting hired there, and we worked together for about a year, which was an awesome time. When did you decide to go out on your own? After about a year and a half at the public defender's office, I, I had an opportunity and, and I just jumped on it. What do you really like about practicing law? I think that it's a unique opportunity to help people in a way that I never thought um, I could. It, it's interesting to me because before meeting a client or when you initially meet a client, that this person's a complete stranger to you. But you know, in the criminal setting, they're coming to you with such a, an intimate set of circumstances, sometimes have lost their liberty. They're in custody. They are you know, facing the prospect that oftentimes is looming over them and clouding their hope, you know, and they're looking to you for for answers, for assurance, for hope, for guidance and for results. Yeah, as criminal practitioners, we really meet people at some of the worst moments of their lives, don't we? Absolutely. And I think that, you know, like you mentioned in some of your other podcasts, a lot of the subtleties in law also venture into psychology and social work. And I think that even the the subtlest things like kneeling, Sometimes I have clients in custody that are sitting in the court benches and, you know, just the psychology for them that their attorney doesn't place themselves above them and is willing to put themselves below them physically, I think sends, I don't know if it does or it doesn't, but it's something that I do because I try to communicate to my clients in that way that I am here to serve you. If a young person was just coming out of college, would you recommend the law as a career? Well, sure. I mean, I think it depends on the person. I think that, you know, with technology advancing so quickly and and with, you know, the rise of cryptocurrency and and things like that, with the rise of e-gaming and and all these other markets that didn't exist when I was going to school, I think it deserves some other consideration just because it's not an easy profession and it's not easy in terms of the consumption of your time and the stress and also, you know, the energy that um, you have to devote in order to be effective. And I think that if you're not passionate about it, if you're not the type of person that can endure setbacks and keep going. It may not be for you, and and that's perfectly fine. What about the business of practicing law now that you've gone and opened your own firm and you're working law practice as a business? How is that 
gone for you and how's that matter differed from your expectations about it? Well, I'm actually grateful to Pepperdine and they, they offered a class called, um, I, I think it was called law practice management and business development. And it may have been the most useful class I took in law school. Tell me a little tough. bit about that. Cause I'm, I'm really like fascinated by the notion that law schools rarely teach that subject and it's interesting to say it's like one of the, the best classes that you took. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It was taught by an adjunct professor who had his own practice, started his own practice. I think pretty soon after graduating law school, I think he practiced for about five years in the civil world and then started his own firm. A lot of the things that I picked up in that class were useful. For example, you know, utilizing virtual offices, utilizing technology. Clients really don't care where your office is, especially in a criminal setting. Uh, a lot of times you are visiting your clients in the jail. So there were a lot of useful tidbits that I learned. And, and those those things were a result of years of experience and making mistakes. So I, I found it to be extremely useful. They also f- focused a lot on, you know, building a brand and, and marketing that it's, it's really about brand identification and, and being consistent in that, which was, which was valuable to me in starting the firm. What do you think is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I received was actually during my law school orientation by a gentleman named Jack White. It was three-prong. I never forgot it. He said, remember, people are always watching. Do things for others before you need them done for yourself. And remember the people who got you here. And that's, I think, the best advice I ever received. What, if anything, would you change about the way the legal system works? My focus and my passion right now, my goals starting off is to inject empathy into the legal system, especially in the criminal setting. Do you think the legal system's fair? No, unfortunately I don't. I think that, I don't think that it's fair at all. I think that there are various agencies or or parties at play that have interests and, and those interests are contrary to, to the intent of how the system was designed to operate. And, and, contrary to the constitution. And so I don't think that criminal defendants really have really ever start off on an equal footing. Oftentimes, you know, even in terms of sentencing, I think that a lot of a lot of times prior convictions that stem from the prosecutor overcharging you know, and, and, and a young defendant accepting a gang enhancement or something, you know, no, I don't think it's fair. Let me shift gears here a little bit. What's your personal life like? What sort of things do you enjoy doing outside of court, outside of your office when you need to unwind a little bit from the law? I spend a lot of time with my friends and my family. I love watching basketball and football, playing sports. I enjoy, you know, going out with friends, having a drink, spend a lot of time with my dog and I'm really close with my family, especially as my parents get older. I don't take that for granted. So I spend a lot of time with them going out to the beach and things like that. What sort of sports do you like to participate in? I love basketball. How would you define success? I think that you have to look at being successful as being a successful human being. 
I think that oftentimes people subclassify human beings into, you know, what they do for a living or, you know, where they're from or how much money they have or, you know, what they've accomplished. But I think that, you know, being a successful human being means being kind and honest. What sort of things keep you up at night? Sometimes I randomly think about clients. It's funny because it kind of ties in with the fact that you come into this person's life, you know, for a short period of time and you have such an intimate relationship with them right away, you know, and that doesn't stop when you leave the court, the courtroom, the courthouse, you know, I, I think about my clients a lot and I, I care. It goes, I, I really care, which goes in line with the slogan client centered care and counsel. Let's say you came into some real money, a few billion dollars, three, four billion dollars. What, if anything, would you do differently in your life? To be honest, I don't know if I would keep practicing law. But I would use money to draw attention to the areas where I think there needs to be systematic change. And I would spend the resources to draw media attention to highlight those, especially in counties that are overlooked or that don't have the same media attention or influence. Let's say you had a magic wand. There was one thing in the world that you could change in the legal world or otherwise. What would that be? Empathy. Just injecting some empathy into the legal system. Let's say you had 60 seconds on the Super Bowl. You got a Super Bowl ad. One minute on the Super Bowl. What message would you like to put out to the world? where a lot of people were listening, a lot of people would hear what you had to say. What message would that be? Every day in the morning when you wake up, you're the only person that's waking up in your life. And you may think to yourself, what do I have to do today? But throughout the course of the day, you will do certain things more than likely. You certainly will breathe. If you're fortunate enough, you will eat and drink water, and you will wake up with the intent to be happy. While you are waking up and you are focused on your life, those three things can be applied to any person living at that same time anywhere in the world. And if you remember that we're all the same in the sense that we all want to be happy, we all need to breathe to survive. We all need to eat and drink water. And you remember that even at the back of your mind during the course of every day, then it'll be easier to live a life where you love and you're able to empathize with people. Is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't discussed? No. Henry, if someone wants to get a hold of you to find out what's going on with the legal system in Kern County or to retain you or to just talk to you about some things, what's the best way to get in touch? The best way would be to access the website, which would be esqaspire.com. Esqaspire, all one word, dot com? Yeah, it's esqaspire.com. Very well, and we'll have that in the show notes as well. Henry Garris. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Love Thy Lawyer podcast. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Lewis, thank you for having me on. It has been a pleasure. That's it for today's episode of Love Thy Lawyer. 
If you enjoyed listening, please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast. If you have comments or suggestions, send me an email. I promise I'll respond. Take a look at our website at lovethylawyer.com where you can find all of our episodes, transcripts, photographs, and information. Thanks as always to my guests who share their wisdom. And to Joel Katz for music, Brian Matheson for technical support, and Tracy Carter. I'm Lewis Goodman. Sorry, can we start that over? Sure. Okay. Sorry, can we start that over? Just start the response over? Okay. Sorry, can you ask me the question? Don't worry about it. So it's the, the magic of editing, you'll see.